Good morning, church family. It's great to see you guys here today. We have had a great couple of weeks here at FC. This morning has been great so far. In the first service, we saw at least four people raise their hand and give their life to Jesus. So that's exciting. Yeah. We uh, had with us this morning the entire Maryville College football team and their coaches. And so that was fun as well. And uh, last Sunday was incredible as well. I saw at least 15 people between both services raising their hands to receive Christ. And so uh, there's a lot of great stuff going on here. God's doing some good work. Amen. And uh, we're excited to see him work. And uh, today, as we start a brand new series, uh, I know that he's going to continue to work. I think uh, every single one of us have gone through a season in our life where we face some challenges. And uh, uh, many of us walk in here today with a, a wide variety of issues. And, and what's interesting when you read the Bible is, is you see these men and women come face to face to Jesus. And when they do, what he says and how he transforms their life is always mind-blowing. Every encounter he has you see incredible things happening. And so I thought it'd be great for the next few weeks for us to look at some of these stories of men and women coming face to face with Jesus, despite their challenges, despite their past, despite the, the, the problems that they're facing. When they come face to face with Jesus, they walk away understanding that they can face anything. And that's really the hope and the purpose of this series is that I hope you see that no matter what you're going through, no matter what trial, no matter what, what pain, what suffering you might go through or experience, uh, it might be something as, you know, just change in your life. You know, some of you are starting a new school, you're starting a new college, some of you are starting a new job, or you're just trying to get better at your job. And man, that's just difficult sometimes, and that's a challenge. And so what do we do when we face these challenges? Well, when we face Jesus, we can face anything. And, and so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to uh, the book of Luke. We're going to look at chapter 8. I think every single one of us um, are going through something today. It might be a, a physical issue. You know, you might have some kind of sickness or dealing with some health issue. It might be a, a mental health issue. You might be, you know, dealing with some depression or anxiety. You might know somebody going through cancer. You might be getting out of a bad relationship. There are all kinds of issues that we face. But in the scripture today, we're going to see two people who are absolutely helpless. We're going to see two groups of people. It's actually a set of parents, a mom and a dad, and then a single woman who, in fact, are going through a lot of desperation. They're in despair. And uh, when I say desperation, I'm not talking about guys like you're desperate for a date, not like that kind of desperation. I'm talking about life and death, physical issues, pain, suffering, heavy, heavy issues. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've gone through that. I, I remember one of the first really main times and seasons in my life where I went through that. I was actually in college about to graduate. It was 1999, if you can remember what it was like back then. But I was a senior at Carson Newman University. I was playing basketball there. And I guess the, the wear and tear of basketball on my body over the years kind of caught up with me. And it was the second to the last game of the season. And uh, kind of got bumped, landed, turned a little wrong. And my lower back, I just felt a, a pain there. And, and uh, what I would learn over the course of the next several weeks as the pain increased and got 
more and more intense is that I had herniated a disc in my spine. And basically what that means is there's a little protrusion there and that protrusion then starts to touch the nerves that go down into your body. And so I was feeling pain from top of my head all the way to my feet. And there were days where I could not even put on my tennis shoes. There were days where the only thing I could do is just lay on the hardwood floor or a tile floor. And that was the only relief I got. My mom at that time, she was way anti against like, prescription pain medicine. We had some, I had some family members that had a lot of problems with that. And so she was afraid. And so uh, ibuprofen was my only friend at that time. And, and uh, so I could, I could go in and I could talk to you about pain. I could talk to you about, you know, the, the frustration of being 22 years old, you know, with your future ahead of you, everything in life, you're looking for the best shape of my life and uh, not being able to put my clothes on, not even be able to tie my own tennis shoes. And so very, very trying season. And I got to the point to where I was, I was, I was experiencing desperation. I was experiencing despair. I could talk to you about loneliness. I could talk to you about depression. Uh, I was mad at God. I could talk to you about a lot of that stuff, but I could also talk to you about faith because the Lord used that situation to really put me on my face. The Lord used that situation to kind of bring my attention to who he really is and what he was trying to do in my life. And for the first time in my life, I got face to face with Jesus. For for the first time in my life, I was encountering something that I had no control over. And I had been living with this illusion in my life like I was in control. You know, when you're young, you, you feel like, you know, you've got the, you know, the world by the tail and, and you're running the show. And, and it was in that moment that God just put me on my face. And I could talk to you about how he used that situation to grow my faith, to, to get my attention and my focus on to him. I could talk to you about how through that situation, God spoke to me in a way that convinced me that he was calling me into full-time vocational ministry. He was calling me to be a pastor. He was calling me to preach the Bible. And I don't know that if I would have not had that experience, I don't know that I would have been in the position that I am today. And I am thankful for how God used that in my life, as painful as it was. And even today, sometimes having those issues and reminders of that as I, you know, still think I'm young and do things that are dumb. But uh, I know that in this room today, it is filled with people that know what I'm talking about. You've gone through this. You've experienced it. You know what it's like. And, I, and, and I, my question for today and moving forward in this series is what do we do in those moments? Like when I'm facing a challenge like this, how do I, I not just have faith to like eke my way through it. How do I have faith that actually allows me to overcome, that actually allows me to experience the power and grace of God through that situation? Where do we get that faith? Where can we get that faith to actually overcome those issues? Well, in our scripture today, we're gonna learn some things that I think are gonna point us in the right direction. And uh, the New Testament is filled with stories like this. But in Luke 8, we see a man and a woman, uh, two parents that are desperate. So let's jump in to Luke chapter 8. We're gonna start in verse 40. Here we go. It says, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him, he begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Here is a helpless father. 
I can't think of anything more painful than a, a, a man, a dad, a mom in a situation like this. And so right off the bat, we identify, if you're a parent, you kind of identify with this and, and we see the faith of, of, of a helpless parent, of helpless parents. Uh, Jairus was the ruler of the synagogue. And so this was a big deal. He would have been a, a man of reputation. He would have been wealthy. He would have been a leader. Uh, remember at this time, it's hard for us to put ourselves in the, in the frame of that uh, time, but there was only one synagogue. You, you didn't have a church on every corner like you do today. It was one synagogue. If you wanted to worship God, you had to go to that place. Not like today where we can worship anywhere because the spirit lives within us. No, you had to go to the physical location and uh, there was only one and you needed the priest in order to mediate for you on your behalf to God. And so Jairus was the ruler. Like he was the guy, he was in charge. So he, he had a lot of clout. He had a high position. And now remember what's happening in the life of Jesus. All the religious leaders are persecuting Jesus. You know, there were only a few that were, you know, giving their, you know, putting their faith in him, but the majority wanted him dead. They were openly criticizing him, rebuking him, and trying to catch him in sin, and trying to catch him in, um, you know, a tough situation. And so here's Jairus, the ruler, the leader of the synagogue, and he is in front of a crowd now. People are all over Jesus. He is falling at the feet of Jesus here, in front of everybody. So this is a faith that you and I need, a faith that would look around and say, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care if I'm gonna lose my job because of this. I don't, I, I'm not concerned about what you're gonna say about me, how you're gonna criticize me. I'm not concerned with how this is gonna impact me financially. Why? Because I am believing and I have a faith that would lead me to actually fall at the feet of Jesus. And this is the faith that you and I need, especially when you're going through a challenge. Sometimes we run to the self-help book, we run to the, you know, the psychiatrist, we run to medication, we, we run to the internet and YouTube to kind of find answers to overcome things. We run to friends that don't have a clue what they're talking about. Why is this the case? Here we see a great example of a man who was willing to lay it on the line and say, I'm coming to Jesus, I'm risking it all because I believe that he can help me. He is desperate, he is in despair. And in those moments, it is critical for you and I to fall at the feet of Jesus. And maybe that's step one for you today. You got issues, you've got a challenge, right? You're trying to work through it. Who are you running to? Who are you falling at the feet, listening? You're, you're falling at the feet of somebody who does a podcast. <laughs> Don't even know him. You're falling at the, the feet of politicians that you've never met and don't really have your best interest in mind. Like who are you running and falling at the feet of? That person, those things become our gods. They become what we look to to bring us hope, to bring us happiness, to bring us joy. And every single time we run into those situations, we find ourselves empty and hopeless. They don't have the answer. There's no way that they could in fact cure or help us in that moment. Jairus is laying down his pride and he is pleading with Jesus by faith that he would heal his little girl. And then Jesus rewards him. 
because he says, okay, I'll go. And off they go. They start to go to his house. Now, imagine the energy like building up. Woohoo, Jesus is coming. This is gonna happen. I'm believing. We're on our way. Here we go. And then they get interrupted on the journey. And so they get interrupted by this lady. We don't know her name, but we'll continue in verse 43. It says, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on the physicians, every dollar she had, she was going to the doctor, trying to get healed, trying to find answers. She could not be healed by anyone. Nobody could help her. She came up behind Jesus and she touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Immediately when she touched him, she was healed. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, did you touch me? Did you touch me? I didn't, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, no, 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 someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, fearful, publicly falling down before him. Here we have another example, falling at the feet of Jesus, declared in the presence of all the people who were staring at her who had eyes on her, who had been judging her, who had been excluding her, who had been shaming her, who had been laughing at her in the presence of all the people, why she had touched him. Why did you do that, essentially? And she explained why she did it and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know, at the end of the day, do you know what you hunger for, what you desire, what the, the, the DNA of your, your soul craves and desires every single, every single human being on planet earth? Do you know what that need is? It's peace. And you know, we go through all kinds of things to try to gain that peace. We try to become successful and do well. We try to do things that, that give us clout. We try to do things that make us popular. We want likes and we want retweets and, and, and all these things. We want relationships. And, and if this girl you know, doesn't work out, no biggie, I'll go to the next girl and the next girl, the next guy, the next guy. Why? We're on this endless pursuit for peace in our hearts because at the end of the day, when the phone is off, when the TV is off, when I'm laying in bed alone in the dark, in that moment, many of us, if you do not have Jesus, you will definitely experience this empty void inside of your heart. That there is something more, you are restless, your soul is empty, and the only answer for that is Jesus. And the only way that you're ever gonna receive that peace is if you come to him in faith, if you receive him by faith, and then more peace begins to fill your heart as you follow him, as you trust him, as you know his word, as you are growing in your faith, it increases. So when the world around you is falling apart, like you're not falling apart because your faith is strong within you. This woman had exactly what some of us need. And it's a demonstration of not just I have faith in Jesus, but it's a demonstration because she has the touch of faith. This touch of faith is someone who doesn't just say, oh yeah, I believe, I believe. No, the touch of faith is an extension of, okay, I believe and therefore I'm moving in the direction of Jesus. It's Jairus falling at the feet of Jesus. 
And it's this woman reaching out saying, I believe so much that it's gonna lead my body, my mind, my heart to move in the direction of Jesus. And that's where some of you miss it. Oh, I got faith, gotta have faith, and then go live your life and do whatever you want, regardless of what scripture or Jesus wants in your life. You disregard him, you don't even think about him. And it's no wonder why you don't have peace in your heart. You don't have peace in your relationships. There's not peace around you because you've left the Prince of Peace out of the equation. So what I love about this woman though, is she has this faith. She's extending her hand because she's believing, but what is she believing? Of course she's believing in Jesus, but even deeper than that, what this woman is believing is she's actually believing in the scriptures and she's not allowing her circumstances to define her faith. She's not allowing this issue of bleeding for 12 years, nobody can help her. She's not looking at that situation and then that defining her faith in God and her belief in God. No, the exact opposite happens. She has a faith in God and she allows that faith to determine how she's going to view God, how she's going to live her life, how she's gonna view her circumstances. That's a huge difference. Some of us allow our circumstances to dictate what we believe about God. This bad thing happened to me, therefore God doesn't care. This issue happened to me, therefore God's not uh, you know, gonna be a part of my life. Instead, no, she has faith. And that faith is now determining how she's going to interpret the circumstances around her. Your faith is gonna lead you to this. And so essentially what she's doing is she's believing the word of God. Let me explain. Now, she would have known the Old Testament scriptures, the the Hebrew Bible essentially. And she would particularly know the first five books, what's called in the Jewish tradition, the Torah. The first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, she knew those scriptures, right? And so when she's coming to Jesus, she knows what Numbers 15, 35 says, 38. This This is God telling Moses to tell the people to do this. Tell them, tell the people to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner and it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. (laughs) Different sermon, but wow. (laughs) So you shall remember and do all my commands and be holy to your God. So God is commanding them to put tassels on their garments. So I actually brought a Jewish prayer shawl. My wife and I went to Jerusalem and I was able to purchase this uh, there. And so this is a a talus or a, a prayer shawl. And so essentially this prayer shawl you can see has tassels on the corner, right? So the corner, the Hebrew word is the word kanaf. So on the kanaf or the the border, the corner, sometimes translated wings, uh, create for yourself tassels, right? And so these tassels, there are five knots on the tassels to represent the five books of the Torah. And then there are actually 613 knots all over uh, the, 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 the prayer shawl um, representing the 613 um, commandments of God in the Hebrew Bible. And so a Jewish man would take this into the morning prayer service and uh, he would wrap this, he would actually do it on his head and, and uh, then he would wrap his fingers around, the, the Hebrew word is tzitzi, 
And uh, this would remind him of his relationship with God. It would remind him who God is and what God has done in his life. And so they would take this and wrap around their head. Actually, they would take all four corners of the prayer shawl, and then when it's over your head, it became their prayer closet. And so every morning, this is how, even today, it works for Jewish uh, men, even women wear these. They actually make some that are smaller now so that they wear them under their street clothes, but they all have the similar tzitzit on all four corners of the, the, the prayer cloth. And so the idea was that you would wear this and you would see this throughout the day. And I think it's because God knows we're visual learners. We need reminders constantly. And so as we live our life, we're tempted to live for ourselves. We're tempted to live and do things our way. And the tzitzit would be a reminder that no, 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 no. I'm not living for myself. I'm not, I'm not running after what only my heart thinks is right. I'm running after the heart of God. And so this was this visual reminder. And so this woman would have been very familiar with the talus, but very familiar with, with the prayer shawl and the four corners of the shawl. She would also know in Malachi chapter four, verse two, this uh, prophecy of the Messiah that who, who is to come. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healings in his wings. So you would, you would see that even, even the, 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 the uh, rabbi, when he would take this and he would give the, the final blessing and he would hold up his hands with his fingers wrapped around the tzitzit, it, it looks almost like wings. So that's why it's kind of translated borders or wings. And so what this woman is, is believing, what this woman knows to be true her faith is in the word of God and she knows that there would be healing in the tzitzit of the prayer shawl of the Messiah. And so what is she saying when she comes to Jesus? What is she believing? She's believing that he's the Messiah. So all these people are touching him, right? And uh, Peter is like, Jesus, the, the crowd's all around you. Everybody's reaching, everybody's touching, almost like a famous athlete or famous person who's walking onto the court. Everybody's kind of trying to touch them, you know, and yeah, high five, and everybody's touching him. But this was the touch of faith. This is different. This was special. This person believes that I am the Messiah. And so Jesus recognizes that. So if you're taking notes, I would say this is important. This is the kind of faith we need. We need the kind of faith that believes the words of Jesus. Not just somebody that says, oh yeah, Bible got one. It sits on my shelf, I know where it's at. But no, someone that believes the word of God is somebody that actually begins to know it and study it. And I know you pick it up, you read, you're like, I don't really know what that means. But the joy and the peace that comes from the work of studying the word of God and disciplining yourself to know the word of God leads to a deeper level of peace. And I think this woman knows exactly what we're talking about here and, and, and she's believing the word of God. Now, think about for a minute, let me help you understand what she's going through. So, so she would have been considered ceremonially unclean because of her health issue. During the cycle of a woman, a woman was considered 
unclean. You could not touch her, she could not touch anything. If she touched something, it would be considered unclean. And then after that seven days, she would have to go through a process of being ceremonially clean. And so there was bathing involved. She had to go to the synagogue, sacrifice a couple of animals. And again, with the priest on behalf of her, taking that sacrifice to God. And so then she would be clean, right? Then you could touch and, and she was back into the community. But so this woman, she can't do that. She can't go through that process. So she would be avoided. She was ostracized. You're not allowed to come into the temple, the synagogue, no way. You're unclean. You can't touch anyone, which for 12 years most likely meant that she had probably been divorced. So she's alone, she's single, she's having this health issue. She can't really talk about it with anybody because it's such an intimate kind of personal matter. Can you imagine the weight of, of stress and anxiety? She's going to doctors, she's going to physicians, she's spending all of her money to get healed and nothing is working. I mean, put yourself in her shoes for just a minute. The amount of pain and desperation that she must have experienced. And yet she comes to Jesus believing the words of God. And so she reaches out and she touches the fringe of his garment and immediately she's healed. Immediately she knows it. Immediately the power of God changes her. Um, this wasn't something that was unknown. This wasn't like, she wasn't like the only person that believed this. Uh, if you were to read Matthew 14, verse 35 and 36, apparently there were a lot of sick people that they brought to Jesus. And in verse 36, it says, they implored him that, that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So there were many people who believed the prophecy of Malachi. There were many people who believed the healing that would be in that prayer shawl. And so many people just wanted to touch the fringe of his garment to receive healing. And evidently, many people do. And so what's interesting is that the story circulates. And even into our world, this story has circulated. If you're a Netflix subscriber, maybe you've seen the recent uh, two seasons of Outer Banks. Any Outer Banks fans at all? Yeah, pretty much everybody under 30, and then me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'll watch it, and I'm okay with that. But in the second season, there's a woman who is, 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 is sick, and she's crippled, and so she's looking for the prayer shawl of Jesus, believing that if she touches it, she'll be healed. And so very interesting. And uh, John B. and Sarah, what a great couple, by the way. I mean, come on. I just wish Topper would get out of the way and, you know, talking about peace, they need peace, right? It's been one heck of a summer for them. But anyway, I digress. Um, where was I at? The point was that it's very well known, but only those who believed it had faith to actually move into action. So it's one thing to know about it. It's another thing that would move you into action, that it would change your life. It would change your habits. It would change how you spend your money, how you parent your children, how you live your life. That's when faith is put into motion. It's the kind of faith that we need to have to overcome the challenges that we face. And then thirdly, what we see Jesus do is he's asking her to have the faith that publicly confesses him as Lord. So who touched me? Nobody would own up to it. 
Nobody would, would say it was me. And so um, Peter's like, Jesus, there's lots of people here. And, and she realizes that she's not gonna like, he's not gonna stop because obviously he knows he's, he's God. He knows who did it, but he's asking her to do this because he wants her to publicly demonstrate her faith. Now, why? Why would he say, no, come forward and tell me what, what you did? She was already healed. He, it wasn't like Jesus was saying, come forward so that I can really heal you. No, she had already been healed. She already had faith. So there's something more to this story. And I think it's, it's this idea that he wanted her to publicly confess him as Lord in front of everybody. Why? Well, you need to be able to communicate what God's done in your life. If you can't really communicate what he's done in, in, in your life, has he really done anything? It means you have to get to think about it. You have to write it down. If there's no story there, maybe you just don't have a story of faith. But then also, she wants, God, Jesus wants her to tell this so that everybody around her can now accept her into the family of God. Oh, she's been healed. Okay, welcome back into the family. Come back to the synagogue, right? We don't ridicule you anymore. You don't have to feel shame anymore, right? We can encourage you and love on you, right? And so when you're at FC, you know, you might hear me say, if you're gonna make a decision, raise your hand or stand up or do something, why? Well, because I think for the same reason, you need to be able to demonstrate that this is what God is doing in my life. Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. So there's this aspect to where if we're like embarrassed about our faith, then is it really real? I, I don't know that answer for all of us. But then also, the church is encouraged when someone comes to faith, when someone gets baptized, like this is why we're here. Like, okay, now this guy, this lady, they're a part of our family. They're one of us. Like now we can encourage and love and, 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 and be together in that way. And so I think that is, it's a key moment here for her faith and for those who are around her, publicly confessing him as Lord. I think it's helpful for her to share her story of how God changed her life. And you know what? I think it's important that you share your story about how God changed your life. He says, he calls her daughter, which means that she is a part of the family of God. He says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. That peace, that Hebrew word shalom, that all-encompassing peace of God that transcends all understanding, no matter what we go through. The scripture I read last week from John 5 says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You see, we are all sinners and that has separated us from God. God can't allow sin into heaven. So we are broken and restless and we have no peace. It's why marriages. Are, are struggling. It's why parents and children struggle. It's why you have struggles at work. The tension that we experience in this life is because of the sin that we have. Every problem that we have in this room is because of sin. Sin breaks everything, but Jesus heals everything. The peace of God comes into your life when you receive him by faith, recognizing his death was, was, was the, the way that your sins were paid for. He raises from the grave, defeating sin and death, proving that he was the Messiah. And so when we come to him in faith, he gives us that peace. And the more we grow in our faith, the more peace 
we get. And so this is what this woman experiences. And he says, go in peace. And then they're still walking to Jairus' house, right? Jairus is like, okay, let's wrap this up. Let's go, we gotta go, we gotta go, right? Not making light of it, but if it's your kid that's sick, right? You, you're not, mm-mm, let's go, let's go. And here's what happens next. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Think about it. Parents, don't cry, but, but think about it for a second. I'm hopeful, I'm excited. Jesus is about to do something. And then the news comes and your heart is broken and you're empty. And whoever this guy is, I wanna smack him, but like, don't trouble the teacher anymore. I'll trouble you. I don't like that guy. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe. I don't know what you're going through today, but maybe that's why God brought you here. Whatever you're facing, do not fear, only believe. Believe the word of God is true. Believe that the best thing you can do is fall at the feet of Jesus. Believe that publicly confessing him as your Lord is one of the greatest stories you'll ever tell. Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Okay, I wonder what the dad was like at that point. It's like, okay, okay. Maybe, he, maybe if he didn't have faith, his response was, I know Jesus, thanks anyway, see ya. He could have just walked away. He could have just said, appreciate you. I knew you were dragging your feet, talking to that woman, should have been there. Bye, you can't help me, get out. No, he doesn't give up. Listen, even in death, there is faith, there is hope, there is joy. It may not always work out like you want it to, but there is reason to have hope. Do not fear, only believe. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with them, with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. So mom and dad, Peter, James, John, walk into the room. All were weeping and mourning for her. She was dead. Do not weep, Jesus says, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. (laughs) They laughed at him. Knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned. That's how we know, by the way, that she was actually dead and not just like unconscious. Because when you die, your spirit separates from your physical body. So this little 12-year-old girl had physically died and her spirit had separated from her body. But Jesus said, arise. And so her spirit returns and she got up at once and Jesus directed them to give them something to eat to prove that she was okay. And I guess after you die, you need some food. Amen to that. It's kind of like after church. After church, I need a good meal. But anyway, see the deal at this point is what happens in your life. You're struggling, problem, issue. Guess what happens? The world is quick to dismiss Jesus. 
he can't help. I tried him once. Didn't work for me, didn't help my marriage, didn't change my kids, right? The world is quick to dismiss Jesus. The world is quick to laugh at Jesus. Oh, you're one of those Christians, huh? Oh, you're one of those crazy ones, right? I get it. I'll write you off because you're an idiot. The world will laugh at you, young people, when everybody else is, is doing their deal and hooking up and doing drugs and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and you say, no, not me. This is my direction because I have faith in God. The world will laugh at you. You don't want to have sex before marriage. You'll, you'll just get laughed at. But despite the laughter, despite getting dismissed, the question still is, is for you. When you go through the challenge, are you gonna have this kind of faith? Are you gonna say, no, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. I'm gonna run after Jesus. I believe he can heal. I believe he's gonna give me hope. I believe he's gonna bring me through this situation. I believe. And for some of you, maybe you just haven't believed. The doubt, the fear has crept in so deep within your life that you just haven't experienced this saving faith that it's required. So what do we learn? Let me wrap it all up today. Here's what we learn. Faith is gonna be tested, patience is required. This is life, this is life, right? Faith is always gonna be tested and your patience is key. It's gonna be, she waited 12 years for healing. Some of us, we go to church one time, our marriage doesn't, you know, get healed and we're done. <laughs> it's like, no, it requires patience and faith and it's in the waiting. Over 12 months for me to actually begin to experience healing. Same is true for you. You go through a terrible, tragic situation in your life. It's going to take time. And it's not time that heals. That's what the world will tell you. It's not time that heals. It's Jesus that builds your faith and builds your hope, right? Faith is gonna be tested. Patience is required. Faith in Jesus can move mountains. I've seen it. Faith in Jesus moves mountains. In fact, Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, which is a really tiny, tiny seed. In other words, you only need a tiny bit of faith and you'll be able to move mountains. You'll see mountains move, you know, so, so, so in your life, people will be healed. Relationships will be healed. God will open up doors for you that you never dreamed would be open. In fact, he's already opened them for many of you and you're enjoying all these things, but maybe you haven't given him credit. Faith in Jesus is gonna move mountains. And then faith always leads to peace. Faith always leads to peace. <laughs> more faith, more peace. Less faith, less peace in your heart. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy and burdened, and I will give you rest. Same idea, this peace that transcends all understanding. This is what Jesus wants, and this is, this is what the Lord is looking for. Um, First Chronicles, or Second Chronicles 16, says that the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So God is looking for high schoolers who have this kind of faith. God is looking for college students who have this kind of faith. God is looking for married couples, single folks, CEOs, factory workers, teachers. He is looking for those who would have faith in him. Why? He wants 
to strengthen you, those who are fully committed to him. Faith always is gonna lead to peace. And maybe that's why you just don't have peace in your life because you have no faith. Well, I wanna help you with that. I wanna encourage you to give your life to Jesus today by faith, believing that his death paid for your sins and he rose from the grave, giving you victory over sin, giving you the hope of eternal life. And the greatest part is the peace that he offers to us. Let me ask you to bow your heads and ask you to close your eyes and open your ears and be sensitive to the needs of the people around you. I wonder if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've been someone who knows a little bit, but you have never truly gone all in with your faith. Maybe it is this season of your life where you're struggling there are challenges, there are sick, there, there's sickness, there's something that you're just dealing with and maybe you've never just fallen at the feet of Jesus and by faith received him as your Lord and Savior. If you wanna do that today, you wanna go all in, you wanna give your life to Jesus right here in your seat where you're at, just simply pray this to God. Just say, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me of those sins. I ask you to come into my life and save me right now. I believe you rose from the grave, giving me the hope of forgiveness and the hope of heaven. Right here, right now, I give my life to you. With eyes closed, ears open, how many of you, like the woman, when Jesus said, who touched me? How, how many of you would be so bold as to say publicly, I wanna show those around me that I just gave my life to Jesus. How many of you would be so bold as to just lift up your hand right where you're at all over the room, just raise it up high so that I can see it, leave it up. Praise God, my friend. Praise God, lift it up high so I can see it. Don't, don't put it down. Thank you, ma'am. Keep it up, don't put it down. Don't, don't be ashamed, we're a family here. How many in, in, in the stadium seats up there? I just prayed, keep it up high. I'm gonna ask you to do one more thing and one more thing only for the three that I see. Would you be so bold right now as to stand up in front of this entire room to your feet and say, I gave my life to Jesus. Would you do that right now? Would you do that? Praise God, praise God. Anybody else just wanna stand to their feet? Praise God for this young man, amen, amen. Let's go church, yeah, we know what it's like. <laughs> you guys can have a seat. Man, I'm, I'm encouraged. If you didn't stand, here's what I wanna ask you to do, or if you did, before you leave, stop by our care and prayer room. Let them know what happened. Let them know what happened. Jesus wants you to, to, to let us know so that we can help, we can be encouraged, you'll be encouraged as well. Uh, we're gonna close with a song that's been very dear to my heart that helps all of us kind of wrap this concept up 
um, with this idea of peace that our team has, has written and gets our eyes and our focus on Jesus and the peace that he offers. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the decisions that have been made. I'm thankful, God, that there are probably others who are wrestling with that. Probably others that did pray, maybe just didn't stand. Pray that you would grow and, and encourage them. Lord, there are people in the room who are struggling. You know every single need. You know every single heart today. You know every broken piece. You know every tear that has been shed. And Lord, we're encouraged because you feel that pain with us. I imagine you're right beside them, crying with them every night. As they plead, as they pray, as they fall at your feet, God, would you heal? Would you direct, would you encourage, would you show the peace that you wanna to offer to them? Lord, we love you. And in this moment, we wanna get our heart and mind and eyes on you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.